0: Tell him stop for the night. We don't need to do that much. I'm not tired. I'm not tired at all.
1: Glad that wasn't us Welcome to Tripod, a podcast about cinema's unofficial trilogies. Three films which are not linked by the usual elements like characters or plot, but instead are connected by a director or writer or actor. Or sometimes much, much less. I'm Matt.
0: I'm Tyree.
1: And today we're beginning Kevin Smith's Jersey trilogy with his 1994 indie cult classic, Clerks. Clerks. Some alliteration yeah. to get started.
0: Yeah. There's cult not one, but two Clerks. of them.
1: Yeah. There is. There's as in.
0: Oh, sorry, I forgot what alliteration was. Yeah, two Cs. When you said clerks, I thought you meant plural. I'm an idiot. Don't worry.
1: Oh. <laughs> well, now we got to start the whole thing <laughs> do it over again. I can do it again. I'm sorry. Um, no, I thought you meant clerks as in, like, there's there's two of them. I was like, there's actually, isn't there, like, three now? They just made a... They oh, made I meant there's, in. like,
0: in the film that we watched, there's literally two clerks.
1: Ah, yes. The two yes. main characters. Ah, ah, ah yes. Ah, of course. Of course. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's so good to hear you in this headphones. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh uh, yeah. True. It is. It is nice. A peek yeah. Behind the looking it's, glass. It's like you're for literally audience. In, it's like you're literally
1: inside my head. Inside my brain. No, it's yeah. just we've uh, been recording the last few episodes with the mics working, but the headphones for some reason not. But hmm. now we're getting into the professional stuff. That yeah. Took about. That was our easily our quickest setup. Yeah. It was about yeah. thirty seconds.
0: Was it, a fluke? We'll find out next week. Join us then. Um, how's your week been, <laughs> Just, just <laughs> plugging the
1: next episode before... Uh, this one's garbage. Join us next week to hear yeah, the, the sound the, quality. The
0: next one's going to be much better. We actually, um, yeah, how's how was we my, my week? My yeah. week was
1: good. I, uh, yeah, it was, it was nothing eventful. Um, how was yours? It was okay. It was all
0: right. It's been a bit chaotic. <laughs> I,
1: I, it's been, it's I, been a uh, bit chaotic. I can tell. You look like... You look terrible. No. You
0: look like you... dog shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> What was the chaos?
0: Um, so almost right after we wrapped up our last recording on Once Upon a Time in, the, in America, mm. I started a new job. I've been floating around doing a lot of odd jobs. Um, and I started work as a driver for the Indian International Film Festival. Did you know that was on? I didn't even know it happened in Melbourne. Happens Uh, the same time as the Melbourne
1: Festival. And potentially that's why I didn't know it was on because uh, MIF tends to take up a lot of brain Mm. space when it is on in Melbourne.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, like, considering this was going on at the same time, man, there's a lot of pomp that goes on with this... This Festival, as yeah. you can understand, it's a big deal, yeah. Um, but like, yeah, the amount of like performance and, and stuff they have going on at the ceremonies, uh, it's just and the screenings, it's crazy.
1: Where are the screenings just in just by because there's so many open. So, like, the so many are taken up with myth, though, like, yeah, that's so many... true.
0: These ones are mostly at Hoyt's, they need like oh, big really cinemas. Big, big, yeah, right, because yeah, yeah, right. yeah, you know, we've got a big Indian audience here, yeah,
1: obviously. Um, they love those movies from Bollywood. Mm. Um, are they like. Film festival e movies or are they like bollywood cinema like are they you know what i mean like you mm. see a movie at miff and it de- tends to be pretty different to what you might see at a hoyts normally or is mm. are they just bringing the the latest indian film of all kinds to to melbourne
0: you know that's a a really good question and way to go to like highlight my ignorance i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't invited inside the cinema i just had to wait outside in the what car. Was, so what was your job <laughs> i was pretty much just a taxi driver that really? was it i just and like it was a ama- it was scary how quickly like I like, in ways, turned into Travis Bickle. Like, not in all the ways, obviously. Oh my god! Because he's an he's like a terrible character. Who did you kill? <laughs> but like, just the way I just started like, just my eyes would glaze over and I'd stare at things because I was working so late, waking up so early. So you were driving like all day. You pretty much driving or waiting. And you know, you know, you know, like you, you've worked many part-time jobs mm. before. The, the worst part about work you don't like is when there's nothing to do. Mm. That's the most mind-numbing thing because you can't do anything else. Yeah,
1: you got to get at least the work is a distraction if you're just waiting around. It is
0: like this exercise in mindfulness where it's like, okay, how do I stay sane when Mm. I can't? Like you can only look at memes on your phone for so long until (laughs) you lose your brain. Um, Obviously, it was helpful in a way because I I did have a lot of downtime, which meant I was researching this. I spent Mm. a lot of time when I wasn't driving um, some of the guests at the festival. I was just listening to podcasts with Kevin Smith and some of the... Some of the cast from these movies, yeah. some of the, the crew members, or I was just watching like behind the scenes footage on it. So I spent a lot of time doing that. But just to like paint a picture for you, my, my first day started at like 9.30 p.m. and had a pickup at the airport. So I drove into the airport, whatever, and I had to drive a guest to the, their hotel and then I had to drive all these festival workers just back to their houses. And I was up until 1 a.m. Oh my god! Got to got home at like one thirty, and then my first call was back at the airport at six a.m. So I got like four hours sleep, which is illegal, I think. Yeah. And like, which, who in their right mind would want me driving them if I've gotten four hours sleep? Like, I could just turn into Homer Simpson and just drift off. I think I'm just I'm like not in my no tired at all.
1: That's the intro to this episode, by the way. It'll make no sense (laughs) until now.
0: (laughs) Um, So I was like running on very little sleep, driving these guests around. And then like, I mean, the good thing is is, like, all right, you've got like a four hour break. Just chill out. I'm like, sweet. I'm just going to sleep in my car. Yeah. Because again, you can't really go home and just do regular stuff. Well, I didn't want to go home because if I went to sleep, I wasn't going to get back up. You know I would stay asleep until midnight that night oh the but God. the only way I could the only way I could get like some sleep was to like set a timer for twenty minutes in my car so I'd never be entirely comfortable and the alarm would go off and i'd get a, I'd get a heart attack oh and then so my brain was it was like it was very very how would you say uh custard at this point yeah mushy and so <laughs> I just how would like you say <laughs> custard. custard even now I'm still recovering, yeah so like. As I'm watching all these, you know, listening to all these podcasts and watching all these, like, clips about Kevin Smith, I'm just losing my mind more and more. And I'm, like, entering the world of clerks yeah. more and more. Like, I'm listening that that second day after that four-hour sleep. I worked until 4 a.m., which is From ridiculous. From 6 till 4 a.m.? Rid- 6
1: a.m. till 4 a.m. Actually, no,
0: sorry. I worked until 1 a.m. Then I had like the morning off the next day. Then four a.m. Then that that next night. So the third oh night God. was until four a.m. So a. even
1: but even that second day, you worked from six a.m. to one a.m. You're nearly yeah. twenty four hours straight.
0: It was crazy, and I I got pretty grumpy towards the end. But I was like, I have to stay professional for
1: the guests. So you would basically the job was picking like guests up, like actors, yeah. Bollywood actors, up from the airport, driving them to their screenings, driving them, driving them to hotels.
0: Actors and, and you're crew part of like a fleet and, of drivers doing yeah, this. yeah. And they had a whole bunch of people, and I guess that because because these are like huge Indian celebrities, they wanted. Um, I guess they wanted just like white drivers because we had no recognition of them. Because you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fair, we're quite ignorant of that entire like world of cinema. And that's a huge, it's a huge deal. Yeah, which no, we that's We don't really fair. like focus in on. So that job wrapped. I had some spare time and I was like, well, better watch Clerks cuz the records
1: coming up. Also oh, the lead in to Clerks was having watched a bunch of how did this how was it made and Yeah, cuz I knew you know,
0: I wasn't going to have time to
1: watch the movie yeah, and yeah, research. Yeah. I was like, Mesa well research and you know, How spoilers, was that experience going from like putting the cart before the horse in that sense? Like have you done that before before watching a movie much?
0: A little usually, not as much as this. Yeah. This time
1: I went deep. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And like
0: not even just on Clerks specifically, but just like Kevin Smith who he is cuz Kevin Smith isn't really you wouldn't like, classify him as just a director anymore. He's now just Kevin Smith. Yeah. That's, his personality yeah. is his job in yes. a lot of ways now. And um, that's how you know him. That's um, how I
1: know him for sure. Yeah. Like I, I've been listening to podcasts um, for probably about 10 years. It's not. It sounds like such a brag, but it's not meant to be. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to podcasts for about 10 years. No, <laughs> you I, could no, say no, I I'm a bit one. of a stud. You know, I, I know what I'm doing. I can <laughs> give you some recommendations. No. You know what the funny <laughs> thing is, is? I listen to no podcasts like anyone else. Other people are like... Oh, you know, this American Life, or like you know, ninety-nine percent invisible, or whatever. Yeah, I don't know and any I'm, of those ones. Well, they're like the big kind of cultural, science, kind of political, oh, kind of whatever. Okay. And I'm like, uh, no, I just listen to like dumb movie podcasts, and now I'm adding to that, that that slurry <laughs> with my <laughs> own. <laughs> <laughs> um no, I, I've listened to uh Kevin Smith, the filmmaker, like or the, the oh. guy talk um about film and, and about That's... his own career for, for like nearly a decade now. Yeah. And he's he's such an entertaining guy to like in my opinion like listen to talk. Um very, very self deprecating. Um especially about his own his own talent, his own work. Yep. Um. I think because he kind of views himself as this kid who came up from Jersey, mm. and was like, "Wow, I, I you know, he's 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 always saying things like, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. Like, you know, I I I I can't write for shit. I can't direct for shit. But I've made these movies, and I'm like, you know, mm. I'm just just by like pulling myself up um, by the by my bootstraps and stuff. Um. So yeah, going into this was interesting because mm. I knew so much about the guy, and and i loved hearing him, i love hearing him talk about film and about pop culture and all that stuff but i had never actually watched any of his movies yeah um, you were
0: completely blind to the, the actual work
1: yeah and and uh it was it was yeah it was an interesting it was an interesting thing going in there watching it from that perspective cuz um, he he was such he's so he's been so influential in, in terms of like talking about like creativity mm. and like being mm. young and like going for things and writing and yeah. just making things. It's like so, knowing
0: about Citizen Kane as a film student and then finally watching it. Yeah, like you hear about it all the time, and you're like, finally I'm finally getting around to seeing it," which I haven't done. Maybe one day.
1: Um, <laughs> well, I did that literally at this film school. Like, oh really? That was, that oh, was the go. experience of being oh, wow. like, yeah. I should really watch that movie. Apparently, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah,
0: yeah. To close the book on this whole this whole driving thing. Yeah. So, like I said, my brain was custard, and I was completely immersed in the world of clerks and Kevin Smith at this point. Like mm. I lived and breathed it. You know, um, it's all I could
1: think of until. Were there just, any? Can I ask? Were there any shifts that you picked up that you weren't actually yours, and you were just like, you know, sitting in the car, just like, I'm not even supposed to be here today. <laughs>
0: I think we were doing that because I ended up hanging out with my brother, who like I, I mentioned to you earlier. He got roped into this work as well. Yeah. So we would just like taxi drivers in the seventies. We were just like when we had a big break, we'd find a spot, oh, we'd grab a coffee or like hilarious. a sandwich,
1: and we'd just sit down and just shoot the breeze. Did like you take hours. up smoking for just this week alone and then give it up.
0: <laughs> that's what everyone said. They were like, "This is why. This is when you pick up smoking." Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like that makes sense. I need something to take the edge off yeah. that lasts like thirty seconds because I got to get back to work. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, man. So to close the book on the whole thing, I was I was in this world, and then last night, I've mentioned to you that over the last couple of weeks I've been watching this um, anime, this TV series called Berserk. Mm. Yeah, and like, I I've been. I'd been, like, binging it for a little while, and I maybe got, like, a third of the way in, and I was like, all right, I need to put the brakes on this, I'm going to start watching an episode a week, or two episodes a week, mm. basically.
1: Because you were saying that your, again, your brother had kind of suggested it to you, Yeah. and then after about, was it two C se- or how many episodes you were, like, finally getting to a crux point, where you're like, ah, oh, it's starting to get real good this now. This is when it becomes yeah, the show yeah.
0: it, everyone knows it is, yes. yeah. Um and, Since, yeah, that so was starting to happen. Breaks. I was like, I've been able to, and you've mentioned it before. It's better to, like, it's better to watch a show a week, you know? Otherwise, binging it, you feel like a pig. You feel
1: like <laughs> you've just eaten an entire box of, like, favorites or something like that. It is. I, I, I'm a massive advocate for the for the one or two a week. Kind so I
0: was of doing that and loving it because that meant, it's, you know, it's great having a North Star on the horizon to look forward to. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, i yeah, yeah. to watch this yeah. this week. Yeah. Um, Finally, I did one of the, usually when I get towards the end of a season, I'm like, all right, double bill, because this I have to finish this now. I had mm. three more episodes left last night. I was watching it, and it, like, I was warned so, so many times. I won't describe what Berserk's about or anything like that. People can just look it up. TV, you know, based on a manga, it's... TV series from 1997, but I was warned about the ending and I still wasn't prepared for it and like fucked me up to the point where I woke up in the middle of the night and it was playing in my head. And I got fuck all sleep last night. Cause I just, this series fucked me up so much. Really? It is one of the most, yeah intense, like, watches I've ever had where I was, like... Watching it, I was, like, I was told this would happen. I was told this was happen. This is... I know this is... I know this is meant to, like, fuck me up. And I was still, like, man, this is fucking me
1: up. Can I... Can I... Without really giving intense. away anything, like, can you describe the... I, well,
0: I've, I've already said too
1: much. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, I've said too much. Because um, <laughs> I remember watching, like, for example... um the scene in Breaking Bad where Hank um fights the two twins in the car park. Yep, and I remember starting that scene, on like lying on my stomach in bed, like watching it on my computer, and then you know five minutes later when the scenes ended, standing in the corner of my room, watching it from a distance and not having any real recollection of how I got there, like this waking <laughs> dream of like just the 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 tension was making me so anxious and so like kind of my blood boil that I just had to start moving and I couldn't even remember how it, like, I was just like, oh, what? The, the credits rolled and I was like, how am I here? Yeah. Like, it was wild. But what, so what kind of, what was happening in terms of it fucking you up? It's just a very
0: intense ending, to say okay. the least. And like, it's one of those things where, um, I don't know, I guess I will say, minor spoiler alert here for anyone who wants to watch the TV series, maybe skip 30 seconds ahead. But it's like if you're watching, uh, you weren't a huge Game of Thrones watcher at the time, but it's like yeah. watching third season of Game of Thrones, the red wedding happens, and yes. then you find out that um the writer George R. R. Martin died. And there's no more Game of Thrones after that.
1: Oh wow. Well. It's like
0: that kind of that doesn't happen exactly, but it's that level of intensity and then the the, the there's no more story after that. Right. Now they're actually now the TV series actually got cancelled and the, the manga goes on quite a bit longer so you can there's way more story to go but right. it doesn't end conclusively
1: and it's in that format that you've watched it it's not available to yeah. right oh that yeah. would be so very it's one of these time. things
0: where it's like i don't know uh, it it feels again i knew this would happen
1: did it leave on That's a cl- the thing. it was um, It sounds like a stupid question now but it did it leave you on a cliffhanger? It or leaves on a cliffhanger. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it's, it's never...
0: like it's like well it's like the Twin Peaks ending even. Yeah. In a way. okay. Uh, another minor spoiler, sorry. Twin
1: Peaks. Or like uh, or like the the classic ending to the Sheriff Woody series that was introduced in Toy Story 2. <laughs> Will Woody make it over the ravine to the to save like Stinky Pete in the mine or whatever it is that kind of thing?
0: Yeah, it's almost you know what I'm I'm not I'm gonna say it. It was more intense than that. Yeah, right. Wow.
1: Yeah. I mean, like whoa. even you know whoa. Uh,
0: We've gotta take a short break. <laughs> minus spoiler for Breaking Bad season, whatever the hell. It's like imagine if like Hank read that book oh. that um and you then, know that gives away who Walter then, White and is, then, and, and then, then Vince Gilligan says, "No, you know what? Fuck it. I damn. Oh damn! Imagine that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like that. Now, I kind of have to read the books in a way, because I'm like, I can't end on that note. Yeah. Well, I has to, has, like, has, Taz,
1: has anyone that has watched it read those, and they do they have they like, have they said... A what friend of like?
0: mine had. I'm in, a, I'm in a group chat with some friends, and, like, mm. and Tasman's one of them, um, but this friend was like, yeah, I've read the manga, and, yeah, it was, it's awesome. Mm. Um, Tasman, he didn't want to read, because, you know, it's, manga's gone for so long. Mm. There's like, nine volumes mm. now, like, a thousand pages each, and... Mm. Uh, he was like, "I wasn't going to read that, so I just went through the wiki and just read the lore and got my fill that way." Yeah, and,
1: right. But yeah, oof. I mean, series are hard enough when they end when the creator intends them to end. Yeah, um, yeah. Because like, they, is it going to be a good one? Is it going to yeah, be? Yeah, but when they end like that, that's that's brutal. But anyway, Clerks, Clerks, <laughs> Clerks, nineteen ninety four. Clerks has a kind of an open ended ending. Like you don't really get the resolution of like you get the resolution of the of. Um, the character kind of somewhat bettering himself or learning a little bit about himself, but he doesn't necessarily like. We don't see him enact any of that.
0: Yeah, we don't think anything's going to change. Mm-hmm. It, it, this, to me, felt like um, a, a black and white feature length episode of um, Seinfeld in a lot of ways. Not like tonally, but just in terms yeah. of like it's a it's a movie about nothing really, just yeah. a day in the life of these two schlubs. Yeah as they just amble through life and get bombarded with whatever life has to throw at them, basically. Yeah. Just well, annoying customers, yeah, um, weird and wacky people who just walk in and out, and mm. that's
1: pretty much it. Pretty much. And the reason, like, we can get into the kind of story and, and the, the plot and also how it was made and things like that, but the one of the things that rung out to me when I was listening to um, an interview with Smith earlier was that the movie, the reason it kind of hit the way it did in the 90s um, was because it was one of the first pieces of film in America, at least, that spoke to this, like, kind of generation of kids who were working these dead-end jobs, um, dealing with, you know, customer service, you know, working retail, not really having much hope for the future, very kind of 90s nihilism, you know, like... Um, it's it's a, yeah, a movie about a guy who just kind of doesn't have many prospects, um, or at least, like... I don't know, it's kind of thrown back at his face by his friend being like you just take it, like you just you don't actually stand up for yourself, man, kind of thing like um yeah, but I lot. think yeah, yeah, it it spoke to an audience that were kind of working these shitty jobs had this kind of negative attitude about their future um and as a result kind of and also was like it 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 had it featured kids or teenagers or you know young adults speaking how how people spoke, you know, being crass being crude, rude. Yeah. Having um, the filter
0: taken off was yeah.
1: refreshing to see. Um, yeah. And I think so. It was like it felt very, very real, mm. um, which is why I think it was like plastered over. It was one of those kind of Pulp Fiction-y posters back in the day where it was like it was very cool to have it like in your dorm room or, yeah. you know, on your on your bedroom or kind of thing. Like yeah. um, this kind of underground cult film. Um what are your general thoughts on the movie? You've had uh, you've had a watch. Is it a thumbs up, a thumbs down? How many um, stars? How it's it's almost like impossible to say. Uh, or how many stars? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's stars. You don't have to do stars. Uh, it's, it's what do you how do you feel? It's really hard to say because it it does like Kevin Smith himself describes this thing as like his film school. Like he just wanted to be a filmmaker, and so the plan was to make this film so that it would get picked up and so he could get money to make the next one. Like, it was very much like a, I'm just going to write a script that I think is funny, that I think reflects what my life is like at the moment, um, and just make it so that I can start making more, you know? Yeah. Um yeah. And so, could you
0: could you find much on his writing process when he was writing the script? Because I found a lot about him making the movie, but not about him actually writing it. Yeah, I was it sounds trying to like look it was up, just him in a room for like a week or something like probably, that. Probably, yeah.
1: And I was, I, what what I was interested in is trying to find out whether he, any of the scenes were pulled from his real experience working behind mm-hmm. that that store. Because mm-hmm. the crazy thing is that that is the actual store that he worked at on the, yeah. on the day. Like he, this film was filmed over twenty one nights. Yeah, and by the day by day he was working there as a clerk yeah um so very personal very like um uh like ver- very much a film that was kind of uh in his brain in his heart that he kind of you know was just like, i'm gonna write what I know, this is what I live, you know this is a day in the life of just living this um dead end job and kind of um wanting more um mm. but yeah i i don't know i I thought it was fine, like i didn't mm. love it, didn't hate it um I thought it was just a really interesting thing to watch having known so much about Smith himself. And also just watching it as a thing where I was like, well, this was just this, this, I, I didn't take it too seriously in a sense. It was just like, this is just Smith doing this so that he can do more and just have fun making film. Because he says that when he was, he loved, never, never before had he um, known or loved himself more than when he was making it. Like he was like, oh, I found what I meant to be. He, he'd, he, he, um he compares it to when his brother came out. Like, he was oh, like, was right, yeah. like, I remember when my brother came out as gay, he was like, I, I know, like, this is who I am. Mm. I feel best when I'm, you know, um, when I'm open about it. And he was like, I had the same experience when I was like, I'm a filmmaker, you know, mm. like I, this is what I do or this is, this is, this is what I have to be. Um, so it was interesting just watching it and enjoying it from that perspective. This, the, it's like you said, it's not, there's not like a story to it really. Mm. Um, it's just about. These two guys live in this strange black and white life.
0: Yeah. It's almost, it almost, bless you, it almost feels like vignettes. Um, yeah. Yeah, a day in the life of. And um, you've actually touched on something I wanted to bring up because I, yeah, I feel pretty similar. I liked the movie. Um, it's one of those things where, again, because I watched so much of, so I listened and learned so much about Kevin Smith's story making this thing. Mm. And I've just known Kevin Smith for so long. I was a huge fan of. Jane, Silent Bob strike back, and still am in in a lot of ways. I've been watching a lot of clips from that movie and going, it mm. holds up in ways. Mm. Um, but it was it was like watching. This might sound pretentious, I don't know, but it was like watching a movie that a friend made, and like you don't want to knock it. You're like, oh, yeah, well, you fucking no, made no, it, man.
1: exactly, exactly. Yeah. You made it, and it was your process. Like, I, I, yeah, it was exactly yeah. right. It was. And, it, and he talks about it in the same way, mm. where he knocks it, yeah. but it's also like he talks about it like. It's something that he made that he's very proud of. Like like yeah. you have a friend who's like uh, who makes you a birthday cake and it's a shitty cake and it doesn't look very good and it tastes okay, but you're like, Well you made it, that's awesome. Like nah, and he's you make like, me
0: a shit birthday cake, I'll let you know.
1: <laughs> I've made Matt, you. this
0: sucks. Why
1: figs every year with you? Oh <laughs> <Are> they're good <laughs> <laughs> Figs are nuts, mate. Come on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, what I wanted to They're from Mum's tree.
0: <laughs> what I wanted to ask was is it right to is it possible to watch a movie in a vacuum? Like let's say you knew nothing about the making of this movie. Let's say I knew nothing about the making of this movie, or Kevin Smith for that matter. Um would you be as fair to this movie as you are now? No. Yeah. Definitely not. But, and if like, I didn't know
1: Kevin Smith yeah. and if I didn't know he made it and if I didn't know how he talks about mm. it and his relationship to it. Um, I think I would have found it a little bit boring a little mm. bit like the the, the the interest that I was getting in it mm. was I mean fair, to be fair, the dialogue is great. I like I kinda like the way it was filmed. It was very interesting. that's like what was, everyone says. Yeah.
0: Every like in every review there's always well the dialogue's very good.
1: Well it's good and it's bad inside <laughs> like it's yeah. I, I like listening to the discuss like the, the it's very Seinfeld esque in that way, the discussions yeah. I have, the conversations. About yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. they but yet yeah, there's still like a rhythm, there's still mm. like a um, a pattern or like a, a satisfying kind of
0: there is rhythm to it. Yeah, um, it's lyrical almost. Yeah, like bouncing so, back of each other, repeating each other.
1: Sometimes. Yeah, so there's yeah. there's like you know, um, in the same way that some Tarantino dialogue is like that. Like the the Star Wars mm. scene where they talk about the Death Star reminds me of like the cheeseburger scene in yes. in Pulp Fiction. So it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's 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 not it's fun to watch in that sense. Um, but I definitely most of my enjoyment from this was gotten out of the fact that I was like I love Kevin Smith this is my ch- I, I this is cool that i get to watch like that's what's cool about film is like you mm. get to watch someone's you get to see someone's process or someone's work someone's creative like result um from when they first started mm. like so, the thing that started their career it's still there for you to watch in the same form that it was when when they when they released it mm. um so you get to see all that and see all the the greatness mm. and see all the like you know things that didn't go too well or maybe that they don't like themselves or that were clearly like budgetary constraints things like mm. that. It's like a, it was a really interesting watch from that yeah. perspective for sure. Yeah, and yeah, a, nice, think... a nice change from the last few movies we watched as well.
0: Yeah, it is a yeah. definite change. Yeah, um, no cowboys. What do you think? Um, yeah, I think you need it, it, you need context to go along with co- context is important to the content for sure mm. like the fact that it's made in the 90s changes how you watch this movie um the fact that it was a part of this change in like independent cin- like american cinema in the 90s yeah. is a really important part of it and it
1: feels so grungy like so punk yeah, kind of culture
0: yeah yeah um so it was just one of those things where I was like, "Am I giving this too much of a pass just because I know how much how much was on the line for him making this movie?" And you know, it's it's like it's just a, it's what it is an inspiring story. Hearing him going, "Yeah, I had all these credit cards, maxed them out, got twenty seven thousand dollars worth of debt for the budget, and I just I just went with it." Yep. Um, there's this quote, you've probably seen it uh, in, in, in one interview or another with Kevin Smith. He talks about walking out of a screening, and then there's some audience member that walks past and probably doesn't notice him, and he's like, well, best part about that movie was it got made. <laughs> and Kevin was like, asshole. Oh, really? And then he was like, but, you know, then I, he says in the interview, he's like, well, oh, I thought about it for a little while, and I think, yeah, I mean, that is kind of the best part about this movie. Mm. Like, I had... We had nothing. Mm. We had, you know, we had nowhere cool to set this movie. We didn't have a budget for anything great about it. And we had no experience making movies at all. And we just got it done. Yeah. And it's become a huge success despite the fact that all the odds were against it, basically. Yeah. And yeah, learning learning about it getting made and like it getting picked up and the sort of gauntlet it ran from like the editing room to then the IFM to then like somehow making its way into a front, into making its way. Sundance. To, well, yeah, to Sundance and, like, just getting enough reviewers to write some things on it and, and do a piece on it in, like, this magazine or that magazine. The gauntlet it ran all the way to Miramax and then to big screens around, the, around America. It was just really cool and inspiring to hit.
1: It's amazing, isn't it? And it yeah. was so um, – yeah, he tells a story in a, in, when he was watching the first screening that they mm. had because the, I can't remember the name of the film festival that it first oh, screened. I,
0: the international, oh, the independent film market. Yeah, which was yeah. basically
1: – was it a system where you paid for them to put it up kind of thing?
0: I'm actually not too sure. All I know is he saw an ad in The Village Voice and he was like, that's where the film goes. Yeah, and he, saw a, film,
1: it, he saw a film two years before yeah. that kind of inspired him to... Slacker, right? Slacker, that's Slacker, it. Yeah, yeah, he saw Link, the film. One, yeah. Yes, he saw that film, was like, yeah. I could do that and I want to do that. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, yeah, and, and when he said he, – he, he, he was, like, operating on this, like, youthful kind of, like, breakneck speed of, like, well, it's just going to work. Like, we'll make this film. It'll get seen at this mm-hmm. festival. It'll get financed. And then we'll get money to make the next one. And then we'll go from there kind of mm-hmm. thing. And he talks about it from the perspective that he has now, which is as an adult, where he's like – he's like, I loved – I loved that version of myself. But he's like, I, I would tell that kid to, like – you know use caution you know mm. rather than just going for it cuz but um you know that was just his energy at that age was mm. just like no nah, I'm going to do it this is this is going to be this is going to be how it works it's going to be mm. you know fine and yeah like using all that money on the credit cards that could have easily put him in like 50 grand's worth of debt it's um, the thing
0: there was no guarantee this was going to become no. anything and, and at the first for every screening, for every like for every success story like this there must be 100 oh, so many failures or so, so, going, oh, so, well, so 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 many. many
1: but at the first screening in um at that film festival there was no one there except, as it turns out, for a couple people who were very important to the film's success in the end um, who kind of spread the word about it. But Kevin talks about watching the film in that first screening and kind of sinking in his chair and just being like, well, this is... Like, I, I'm ruined kind of thing. Mm. Like, I'm not, you know, what What have I done? This is so stupid and why did I write this and yeah. why are they swearing so much and just hating the process of watching it? But then he talks about this nice moment of, and you mentioned the guy walking past him at the end or one of the screenings or something, but kind of almost 10 or 20 minutes into the film being like, you know what, but like, like like I said before, like, he he, he was like, I loved doing this and I loved the person I was when we were doing this. Um, So he's like, I have to make another one. Like, I love the, I love the, um, Um, like romanticism of that almost, like Mm -hmm. where he's like in one moment he's he's tragically like kind of, he's crestfallen, but then just having the film wash over him, he kind of is reminded of how good it was to make, how fun it was and how much he loved it. And then within 10 minutes he's like, no, i got to do this again. Even though he's staring down the barrel, heaps of debt, having to get multiple jobs to try and pay it back, knowing that the film is probably going to be a failure after this first screening with no one there, because like at a film festival that's a bad sign. Oh, yeah, Um, yeah. And so, yeah, just, and then, and then within a, you know, a few minutes coming back around and being like, nah, I got to do it again. You're going to get a few more jobs. You're going to work this debt off. You're going to do it again, kind of yeah. thing. And then the next day, everything changing. But yeah. I I, I, w- I want to mention, cause Myth's on obviously, but th- this film was such a nice, it was, it was such a like, um, relevant thing to watch this week in, in particular, because mm-hmm. I went to a film screening on, um, s- Monday night of this film called Sunflower, which is by Gabriel Karuba. He's a very good friend of mine. I actually worked with him at the old production oh, really? company I worked at. Yeah. Oh wow. And it's his debut film, and it's a very, very, very personal story kind of. It's a very, very different film to Clerks, but it's like, it was just, it, it was very relevant. Where I was like, that was so cool that I like, I got to watch his debut film. It was actually a packed out cinema. They did it at Acme. It was, it went really well. And he's taking it to, like all around the country, kind of thing. He's doing really, really well. Um, but it was cool to watch, like. His example of his debut and then going back to Kevin's and like it's all kind of the same like it's and he he was his story was very much the same way he was like, "I'm just going to finance it, I'm just going to work outside of this system that there's kind of like a bit a few roadblocks for independent filmmakers you know up there um and just get something made so yeah if you if you're in a city that it's playing in in the future, definitely definitely go see it but it was a cool thing to cool thing to experience mm. watching his version. Then watching, going back to the 90s, watching Kevin's and just being like, yeah, it's still the same. Like, it's just, it's, it's that thing of like...
0: The torch has been passed
1: the, on. Well, and it's like, no one's going to give you that chance. You've just mm. got to go and do it. Like, if you have a film idea, oh, yeah. if you have a story idea, if you have something inside you, like, a, like a, an artistic kind of like idea, mm. you, you've got to just go and do it. It can't, No one's going to come knocking on your door and be like, hey, what ideas have you got? Like, we'd mm. love to, you know, it's like, no, 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 just, just go for it. Take a chance and, and see. It's great. Yeah,
0: Be naive you know this um i mean this is almost sentimental enough to be the ending of the pod but like i was gleaning through every bit of detail on this film i could and i went to the um end credits and this would have been the credits they made after it got picked up by Miramax, which it eventually does. Yeah, right. Spoiler alert for that this story, I guess it yeah. gets picked up and becomes a big hit or whatever. Um, he has a, a massive list of people he thanks for the making of this movie, and just keeping in theme with that, one mm. of them, one of the thank yous or three of the thank yous he has there is um, to Richard Linklater, Spike Lee, and Hal Hartley, and then he says for leading the way Oh. because they all had this, they did the same thing. Was independently funded films, and they just like. Sort of pay for their own way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's so many like lovely thank yous he puts in there. He's got one for John in quotation marks, my hero Pearson, who becomes a big character in this whole saga of getting this film out there, for having second thoughts on the film. Uh, Bob <laughs> Hawke, another pretty prominent character. He was thing, the one in that festival screening, yeah, I think. Yes. Yeah. Who so he's the one balls. that started this domino effect of yeah. getting it um, picked up. Uh, for having nothing better to do on ten, <laughs> the tenth of. March, nineteen ninety three. Walt, I think is that his brother. Walt, I can't remember. Anyway, Walt for his copy of Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> just thanking like <laughs>
1: thanking anyone at this he was stage. I was thanking
0: yeah. like everyone, God, his family. Well, well that's his the brothers. other thing that
1: adds to this because like it's it's. I like this very guy as a, as a as a human as well. He's very sweet. He's yeah. very soft. Like the film, it's funny because we're being very sentimental, but the film is anything but. Like it's very grainy, yeah, very gritty, very like, cynical, you know, even cynical. or very cynical. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and you know, um, yeah, just full of expletives and gross-out humor <laughs> and like weird, st- like you know, um, but. <laughs> that's that 's kind of what his life was probably full of at that stage
0: did you have a we should probably talk about the context well, the actual story itself, but yeah. before we do, was there a favorite line of yours
1: or any bit you liked the most um You, you go first because i 'll try and think of it i i didn 't write it down, but there was a
0: well like i said i 'm a massive well i 'm a big um, james Allen bob fan me and me and my brother, and a friend of ours from school we'd watch it and like quote it a lot. Um, and I knew about Jane Silent and Bob before all this, and before they were part of this like canon of yeah. slacker films, That's basically. Funny.
1: You could do a really good uh, Silent Bob Halloween costume, I reckon. Like if you, I thought you were gonna say out... impression, and I was like, no. anyone could, anyone <laughs> could. Just... And then it follows twenty seconds of silence. Um, no, you could you could just grow your hair out, get a big <laughs> coat, oh, I've got a hat. You've even yeah, the hat. I put will this work. hat on backwards. Yeah. My hair's almost long enough. Yeah, just
0: the beard now. Yeah. Um, no, I'm a huge fan. And so there's that line towards the end of the movie um, where Jay. Sort of like uh, he talks to Dante, the main character, about how, how much of a dick he's being to his girlfriend or whatever. And he needs to take like stock of what he's got and how good she is to mm. him and all that kind of stuff and how much of a jerk he is. Mm. And then Silent Bob finally has a line for the first time in the movie. It's a big reveal. But um, Jay walks off... And the reason Jay walks off and Silent Bob has the line is because Jay Jason Mewes, the actor, he could never nail the last line, because he's not an actor. He's just he's just a friend of he's um, just Kevin's, Kevin's bestie, yeah. And he couldn't nail the line for the life of them. They only had like enough film for like one or two takes, and like, oh, you know what? you just get this monologue done and then you leave and I'll have the last line, I'll do it. And so that's the game. No way. Great trivia. But um, Jason walks off, Kevin has that last line he gives to Dante, which is like, you know, not many people would do this for you, but, you know, she's out there. Yeah, that's one of my favorite lines. And then like off screen, you just hear uh, Jay go, come on, my dick. (laughs) Because he's always calling silent bob like his lover or whatever the fuck and he's like come on my dick which is the funniest thing <laughs> and from now on please refer to me as your dick i think it really
1: is. <laughs> is that, that think what is you and taz say dick? to each other just when you're heading off somewhere
0: well no i probably will now yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think it's the funniest thing calling someone a dick is one thing but then my, my dick. <laughs> dick yeah made come me on. laugh that was probably the biggest laugh i got out
1: the trivia element is cool where i found out that um the reason it's in black and white is purely budgetary Yes. So, like, the yeah. the DP was like, hey, Kevin, by the way, if you want to film in this convenience store, which is like a tiny little room or tiny little you know sh- sh- shop and 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 set makeshift mm. set mm. uh he was like if you're gonna want to film here um we can't use the fluorescent lights it'll make everyone look green yeah and kevin was like well shit like if like what are we doing he was like well we can buy this package at the end of the thing to kind of like color the film so it looks fine and it's mm. like a couple grand and you, like you said at this stage kevin had maxed out every credit card that he'd yeah. ever gotten yeah Um, and was like, well, I can't do that. And the guy was like, well, the only other option you could do is maybe film in black and white because then it won't matter if everything's green because there's no colour. And he was like, well... Okay. (laughs) Sounds good to me. And then everyone took it as like this big artistic choice of like, you know, it looks like, it looks like the CCTV footage (laughs) of the, uh, of the shop. It's, it's genius. Uh, and he kind of leaned into that, but like so many, yeah, there's, that's the, the film kind of warms even again, ironically, because it's such a, like a, it's, it's not a sentimental film, Mm. but the sentiment of just someone just trying to make something, Mm. um, despite the, the roadblocks, despite all the, the, um, The the obstacles and hurdles, it's like, so many cool things came out of just like having to be like all right well we were going to go right here but i guess we'll go left like and it, yeah. it works out even better
0: yeah i mean that's the thing creativity through constraint right i mean mm. a director one of the most important traits of a director is like l- knowing when to let go and which hill to die on and which one to yeah. know, retreat from and yeah so like so many of the decisions were just budgetary ones like like you just touched on it then the fact that the shutters were closed were because um, yes. keeping them open was just going to be like a real pain in the neck with the white balancing so like well let's just write that the shutters are closed it'll be a bit easier yeah um,
1: and that turned into a, one of the one of the like funnier visual gags of just like that big sign that he puts up in there yeah the, you know. and
0: it's also because they knew they'd be filming at night so I was like well I have got to film at night so yep. <laughs> can't give that away uh, and we, we talked about this last time in either well, one of the Leone movies where it's like this could be something he deliberately did or it could be me just like squaring a circle I don't know um, the author is dead, as they say at this point, and we can interpret it yep. any way we wish. <laughs> um, you know, what's this movie about? We, 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 I mean, there's really not much plot to talk about, but like...
1: Like you said, I think it's, setting, right?
0: What's the setting?
1: Where are we? Uh, we're in Jersey. At New, a, yeah, New Jersey. a shop called Quickstop. Which is pretty much the exact store, well, in every way that Kevin worked at. Yeah. Um. You know, outside of high school, he, he had a lot of uh, wheel room with his parents, who he was living with at the, at the time, to basically be like, "Well, uh, I've never, <laughs> I haven't cast you guys much yet. Uh, can you maybe give me some money to make this film?" Kind And they were like, "Well, you know, yeah, you're right. You know, <laughs> your other siblings went to." We gave you life.
0: <laughs> it's it's it stars Brian O'Halloran as Dante. Dante Hicks, who is our main character through this, through this this the sort of slice of life, and he's joined by this guy, Jeff Anderson, who plays Randall, which was which was Kevin's. He wrote as himself basically, and he was originally going to play as well. Oh so, really? Yeah, Kevin Smith was originally going to play Randall, um, but Jeff. Now I can't remember Jeff's relationship to Kevin and the gang as they were setting up to film this thing. But Jeff just auditioned as a gag. so like, man, this looks fun. I want to give it a try. And you can see it because the best part about this movie, and again, the reason why the context is so much fun, is so much of it is documented. Like, they have right. all these great behind-the-scenes clips and stuff which appear in the DVD extras or whatever. Right. But they've got the original tapes from the um, auditions they were holding. And, yeah, Jeff gets on stage and does it. And he's like, it's just so funny seeing," because he's like, "Ah, oh, man, I'm nervous now that I'm doing this. Ah. But, like, Kevin realized at some point, all right, I'm already biting off way more than I can chew here with or, with, with trying to direct a movie mm. with zero experience. I don't think I can try and act in it as well. That's just way too much. So I'm not going to act anymore, but it means we'll need to find it. We'll need to find a Randall. Yeah. and." After they saw Jeff's you know, audition, they were like, sweet, he, that's him. He's, he's Randall. And he was like hesitant. He was like, you, I don't know, man. I've never acted before. And I know how much this is costing you. And I don't want to be the one responsible for like you going, you know, this thing fucking up and you losing all your money on it. So yeah, please, right. don't, yeah, don't hedge your bets. Just don't put it on me. And he was like, no, 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 you'll be perfect. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. And yeah, he got cast. That's um, so funny. Brian O'Halloran was wasn't the first pick for um, Dante either. They had another guy. Um, I forget the actor's name. Don't have it here, but he ends up playing the 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 trainer, the jerk, or the jock. Oh, really? Yeah. So he was originally in front <laughs> to uh, play Dante, and again in the in the oh, rehearsal the... tapes they have of him, yeah. he's playing Dante exactly like that. Really? And Kevin in the behind the scenes is like, yeah, well, he was kind of playing him like the fonz. I, I just didn't think it was going to work because Dante was meant to be a schlub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, I think that know, Brian O'Halloran
1: a is a better choice for that role, just in yeah. terms of like the way he holds himself, probably.
0: Brian, and he's got a he's got an interesting he's got such a fun story as well. I, I was listening to an interview with him. Um, uh, so he auditioned late, he'd completely forgotten about it He had another like uh, play on it And he was like, oh fuck, that's right, there was a film happening here I should, <laughs> I should really audition for it, what do I need to do? And I was like, oh, I've got to prepare a monologue, whatever And he does it and everything And in this interview he does with Kevin Smith Many, many, many years later down the track They're just talking and he's like, yeah, so my dad's Irish and everything And yada, yada, yada he, We immigrated to America and New Jersey and everything, yada, yada, yada um, Apparently, Brian and his dad were... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Not hustlers. Maybe it is hustlers. They were they were like pool sharks. And they'd go to like these...
1: Oh, yeah. They'd go like to like these pool dens almost. or whatever.
0: And they'd con people. That's so what they do is... Because finally, Brian was really good at pool. And so his dad would like go up to like randoms in the bar and go, Hey, do you reckon my boy can like play at pool? And they'd put down a 50 <laughs> or whatever. And he'd play. And he'd play really shitty and make really dumb mistakes. To the point where like, he wouldn't like chalk up the cue or anything. He'd like miss easy shots. And then like after they'd lose, they'd lose the money and be like, oh, Dad, I'm so sorry. He's like, Oh, oh that's, boys, okay, we'll that's okay, boy. That's okay. boy He's <laughs> like he'd be like, Oh, I'm so- my boy's really upset. Do you reckon you could give him another go just to cheer him up, just so he can what? have a better shot. And the guy like well, double or not and what do you see? It, the guy's are like the guy's are like, oh, okay, all right, all right, well that sounds fine by me. Easy money for us. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. they play again, he'd lose the second game, but he'd do a little bit better but like still fuck up. Just so like he feels better. You know? He's yeah, like, Oh, yeah. I feel better now. But he's <laughs> like Oh, well, you know, what do you see? Triple or nothing, huh? And the guys would be like, fuck, man, this is easy money at this point. Yeah, yeah, And then he'd just, like, clean up afterwards. What? They'd, like, all right, this is going to be easy. And then he'd just, like, just knock them all down and be like, yeah, sweet. Wow. And then they'd, they'd rake in, like, $250 or something a night and... It was just what Brian calls like his dad's beer money and like some some mon- some pocket change for Brian to buy like Star Wars figurines or something like That's
1: that. That's hilarious.
0: Which is crazy. And then Kevin's like, that should be a movie. And he's <laughs> like, yeah, maybe it's not too late. Maybe he'll do that.
1: If you're listening the- to this, Brian, yeah, turn it into a movie. Sounds great. Well, I mean, it kind of became The Color of Money. Oh. Is that the one with Tom Cruise and... Uh... Yeah, fucking Tom, Tom Cruise and the really Butch great... Butch Cassidy, what's his yeah, name? Yeah, yeah, um,
0: <laughs> Why am I blanking on his name? Oh,
1: goddamn. Uh, um, it's like my mum's favorite actor. We know movies, we know actors too. I'm not typing. This is not the sound of me typing. Oh, they won't hear this. It's The Color of Magic, 2008 with David Jason and Sean Aston. No. Oh. <laughs> color of uh, color of Money.
0: There's actually a movie called The Color of Magic. Yes. Can you know that? And then also, wait—is it?
1: There's a nine. There's a 2009 version of the Color of Money, which is Chris Tarrant and Millie Clodd. Chris Tarrant, I think, is the original host of Millionaire. God damn it! I he has
0: a fucking—he has ranch dressing. Paul Newman. That's it. I was just literally quoting that bit from The Simpsons in my head, where that farm was like, "Oh no, Paul Newman's <laughs> going to have my legs broke," but it wasn't yeah, Paul, Paul Newman. It was just oh, like, "Oh yeah, X. Yeah, it was yeah." Like, "Oh no, X." We'll have my legs broke. I'm like, damn it! what was it? Anyway, so really cool, really cool story from Brian and Halloran there.
1: Um, yeah, this is literally fast Eddie. Fast Eddie Felson teaches a cocky, <laughs> and then it, and then my internet broke. <laughs> uh. That's a weird synopsis. My internet broke. What does that even mean? Fast Eddie Fel Felson teaches a cocky but immensely talented protege the ropes of Poole Hossaman, which in turn inspires him to make an unlikely comeback. <laughs> Oh
2: boy. Oh
0: boy. Yeah, I, I thought about going full um full uh leprechaun. Uh, no. <laughs> James Coburn with that one, but that I oh. That's
1: okay. We'll play another game of pool. You know what
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. Um Clerks. Uh, clerks. Back back on track with clerks. Well, so he, yeah, like like we mentioned, he, he didn't know really what he wanted to do with his life, but then he saw this ad in the village. He, he liked movies and pop culture and, and comic books, obviously. Mm. And he saw this ad in the village voice that said eight-month film course. You can do it in one year. You can fast-track your way to getting in the, into the movie business, basically. And he was like, sweet, that's what I do. I do that. He signs up.
1: I don't know where it is in relation to New Jersey or whatever. But I think it was in Canada, right? Like it was quite. a I think really? it was. I think so. Yeah.
0: Holy shit! Well, anyway, he hikes all the way up to you know that uni where he starts doing this course, and he meets a lot of the collaborators that will join him for Clerks. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. Most importantly, Scott Mosier, who becomes the producer of the film, they become fast friends. Um, he they both loved Slacker when it came out, which I think was '93. Um, they both loved that movie. Especially, well, especially Kevin Smith, and then Kevin was really inspired by this article by Peter Broderick in um, this filmmaking magazine. I think it was. I think it was literally called Filmmaker Magazine. Um, but it was about how to budget a no-budget film, mm-hmm. and he has three examples from. who are the guys he uses here? I've got it literally here. So Kevin was really inspired by this, this article from this filmmaker magazine, uh, this article by Peter Broderick, which was about how to budget a low-budget film, mm. feature film. Um, and it included the budgets of these three directors and um, these three films, Nick Gomez's Laws of Gravity, Gregoraki's The Living End, Robert Rodriguez's El Mariachi, which we will cover on this podcast. Oh. Mm.
1: Yeah. Is that with Antonio Banderas?
0: This one isn't, but I think, I believe, if I'm not mistaken... The sequel to El Mariachi is pretty much a remake of El Mariachi, which is like uh, this is what I can do with zero money, and this is what I can do with money. Yeah, so it's it's that... like The Evil Dead. It's like similar to The Evil Dead, where it's, yeah, like, it's a remake, right. but this is what I really wanted to do if I had oh, the actual money. Interesting. Um, this again, we t- I touched on this just before. These three films are pretty pivotal in like independent uh, U.S. cinema at the time because before then, <clears throat> the idea of making an independent hit under, you know, one to three million dollars was pretty rare. It would mm. happen every, every once in a while and be like, well, that was a fluke.
2: Mm. You
0: know, it's, it's bound to happen every once in a while. It doesn't mean anything. But these films all made within nine months of each other, mm. all under $50,000 and all went on to become big hits. And wow. it was sort of proof that, yeah, you can make a big hit mm. with under $100,000. Mm. Um, and it, it sets a precedent.
1: Which yeah, it kind of changes like, the industry a bit, doesn't it? It
0: does. Yeah, And it's like, you, okay, you're not going to make Batman money, mm. but, you know, dollars for donuts, you're going to have a better cost-to-profit ratio, yeah. for sure. Because if you can make a movie for, in in the case of Clerks, $27,000, mm. and you make, you know, $3.2 million, mm. well, wow, that's very little input for a lot of yeah. Uh, gain. Yeah, so,
1: it comes back, you know... Hundredfold, more more so.
0: So Sundance becomes this incubator for movies like that, and Miramax becomes this this hungry machine that just purchases them, yeah. options them, and then just knows exactly how to market them. And it kind of like, pick up on it, the salacious it, details, and then just pitch it whichever which way you can.
1: And it's it is that in the yeah. same way now. I would say with um, Sundance still and A twenty four, A twenty four, yeah, it's they've like become that's the, new one, the yeah. modern. That's the modern take on that Yeah, that same thing is, like, these indie films, you know, getting picked up in that festival or many festivals and and A24 being the kind of upstart. Like, it'll be interesting Mm. when, like, you know, in – I mean, obviously the things that have happened to Miramax have happened to Miramax. But, like, A24 in, you know, 20 or 30 years, um, it'll be interesting in, like, 20 or 30 years whether A24 is, like, you know, 20th Century Fox level – You know, universal level. Like, what? Yeah. Will it will will it live
0: long enough to become the villain in a way? Yes. Yeah. 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 Which is, you know, what happens to Miramax in a way, and which is what a lot of directors worried about with Sundance. Mm. Um, A lot of directors like the Collins, Spike Lee, um, Jim Jarmusch, and a lot of the crew that worked on those kind of movies. They loved what Sundance was doing for independent cinema, but they were also hesitant to get into what was called the director's lab. We have a director's lab here in in, in the MIF as well, mm. which is basically you make a good job film, you get selected for this director's lab, and you get sort of mentored by Robert Redford or something like that. Right. Who, like, ran the festival. And um, you sort of develop your next piece, which, again, is like, okay, here's what I can do for zero money. What can I do with money? Yeah, right. Um, with They were hesitant money. about that? They were hesitant about that because there was this trend happening where a lot of great directors would make this really interesting movie with a singular vision, and then they'd sort of get baited into making a, a more of an Oscar bait film.
2: Mm. So
0: something like, you know, I'm actually blanking on all the titles, but Robert Redford's company, or a production company attached to this whole thing, would make movies that were good, but they were still, you could tell that they were
1: like... Vision,
0: aiming the, for the Oscar, sort of.
1: Yeah, events. and any, and and I guess it's what happened And like
0: it was like clear that like um, director control was being taken from them, and then there was even the the DOP for um, one of Jim Jarmusch's collaborators. I forget his name, but he has this quote where he's like, "I was told how to make a Hollywood film, and I don't want to make Hollywood film, so I got nothing out of."
1: Yeah, right. The director's yeah. App. So they were worried that basically the, the thing that got them into the circle. Was going to be muted in the sense of like they're going to make a movie that's like a, a Hollywood movie or a production movie as opposed to like what they actually want to
0: exactly like yeah.
1: kind of what happens with when a, a Marvel picks up like a, a young kind of interesting filmmaker and gives them a Marvel project and exactly. it becomes kind of whitewashed by the the machine
0: exactly that, that is like that is like the modern example but like you know taken to the eleventh level which is like all right just strip it of any bit of color that you might mm-hmm. have given mm-hmm. it um, so yeah this it's it's Sundance became this thing where it's sort of it lost its way a little bit, and the same thing definitely happened with Miramax, um, where it started making more clearly Oscar baity films, like say um, the English Patient, or you could mm. even say like Goodwill Hunting, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they still managed to make really, really interesting movies as well, like Te- like Train Spotting or mm. the Three Colors trilogy, another trilogy which we will cover in this very podcast. Yeah. Um And then, of course, it was run by a sex pest, which is never good. Um, There you go.
1: Yeah, it's fascinating.
0: Yeah. There's some great books on this entire entire movement. It's just so fascinating. And Mm. again, context versus content. This movie, Clerks, is just a part of that whole movement Mm. where these three films, you know, Living End, Laws of Gravity, fucking El Mariachi, they all happened. And Slacker happened. Mm. And then Clerks was the next in line where I was like, yep.
1: Proof is in the pudding, baby. Would have been such an exciting, like boom of like this, yeah. this you know, upstart, young upstarts, kind of like you know making their making their things happen. Yeah. Um, so I think, look,
0: I mean, I wrote a bunch of a bunch of waffle on this whole subject and I think I've covered most of the things I wanted to touch on so that's great I'd love to listen to this a month down the track and you've just like re-recorded yourself yeah. saying everything but like even more and you're just and like, like you stole I, my
1: bit you stole I, my bit and I've recorded I've rec- somehow got recordings of you being like Oh wow!
2: I didn't know that <laughs> at all.
1: I'm so dumb. Yeah, after he's like, "Hey, Tyra, can you just record something
0: for me? Just say you're a dumbass." Well, yeah, sure, Matt. I can sure. chat that for
1: you. Say so you're uneducated. What's so this
0: you... for, What's this for again? Oh, no, nothing. Nothing. No, nothing. Just you know. No, hey, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't jerk me around here, fella. Don't jerk me around, fella. Um, but yeah, such a cool, such a cool period in time. Mm. All right. Um, good year for movies as well. 1994. I had I had to get the I had to get like a a letter list up and
1: can you can you give me, me can you give me descriptions of them and i'll see if i can guess them okay what kind of descriptions do you need like really Tell vague me. ones cuz i feel like if you give me too much it'll be easy but like maybe like maybe like an actor that was in them or like the like a genre
0: a genre okay i don't know um i'm looking at
1: a i'm looking at this might be a fun book. game that we play during some episodes no no uh <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I'm not a quiz master. Um, I'm just trying to think what. Okay,
0: so every every first year film student's favorite movie.
1: Pulp Fiction. Yeah, Yep. That
0: 1994. Um, ding basketball. Documentary, I think.
1: Basketball documentary. Yep. Hoop dreams.
0: Yep. That's another ding. Um, it's the top of my Cohen's list.
1: Oh, um, Hatsucker? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I one. only know that cuz I looked at your list on Letterboxd the other day.
0: <laughs> I mentioned <laughs> this is the first part of a trilogy I just mentioned.
1: Oh. It's a color? It's a what? It's a color. It's a color. Um. Yeah. Shows how much I listened to you. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Red.
0: Three yeah. colors, three colors red. So oh. it's the first part of the colors trilogy, I think. Right. Red? I think it's red, white, blue. I don't know. Yeah, you anyway, know, it's in that one. Um, I mentioned this movie I don't before. Know anything about it's red. A, neither do I, but I know it's great. Okay, um, it's not obviously
1: the one that Bruce Willis made with. Those, like that was, isn't that one called Red as well?
0: That's a good point. Yeah. Well, this one's called Three Colors Red. That one's just okay. called Red. Okay, right. Um, and then Red Two. And then Red Dog, which is
1: by the guy who did Rip D. And then Red Dog. Yeah, and then Red Dog. And then Red Dog Two. <laughs> Red the Dog. No. Die? Uh, I think maybe Cl- it's Mali I think, and me. I think Red Dog Two Somali is ma- technically about Clifford. Potentially, I don't know.
0: Um, okay, this one is. I don't think you'll know this one. Um, food movie. I mentioned it last week. It's part of a trilogy. We'll do in a
1: food movie.
0: Food movie. Taiwanese. No, I don't know. Um, Eat, drink, man, woman. This is the top of this list. A film I love. Some of my favorite movies. Certainly, one of my favorite directors. I don't think you'll know this one. Um, I'm trying to think what clues I can give. It's like a really one of Tarantino's favorite movies. It's Hong Kong film. Has massive, massive um, Hong Kong stars.
1: Is it the um? Is it the one that's like about the about a relationship? It's like a it's like it's a, like a sad kind of a, a movie about two really lonely people who find each other. Is it what's the, what's it called? Man,
0: that's so vague. <laughs> I'll give you a point though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That one's Chunking Express.
1: Oh no, that's not what I'm thinking uh, of. Oh, you're at not thinking all. of that no. one? Oh, really? The okay. Chunky Express. What?
0: Chunking. Oh, Chunking okay. Express.
1: I love uh, a version. It. It's a sequel of the Little <laughs> Engine That Could. It's the Chunky Engine That Could. It's like oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh Lord have
0: mercy, I wish I wasn't so fat. <laughs>
1: um this Come on, is <laughs> Johnny this is a Johnny Depp. Starring biopic? I know the chunky who ate these chunky. <laughs> <junkies. laughs> uh, a Johnny Depp biopic? Or is it... Um, Johnny Depp it, stars in this Yes, biopic. is it Uh, uh, Blow? No. Oh, really? Is Blow uh, a biopic? Or, I mean, kind of... Re- I think so. Like, this one's kinda... a comedy.
0: It's about Hollywood. Apparently it's amazing and I have to see it. A comedy? A comedy? A biopic
1: starring Johnny Depp? Johnny Depp. Yeah. About Hollywood?
0: Yeah. Hollywood director. What? So many, so many, hopefully, I hope there's a
1: lot of listeners listening and going, it's this movie, you Yeah, or like, I can't get... I you can't, guys don't know anything. I can't get um, the one with Tim Robbins out of my head, the the player. What? Oh, right. You know, the, what, is, that, is that what it's called? I but Tim I know Robinson. that's not it. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. What the hell is this Edward. one?
0: Edward. You don't know Edward? No. Oh, apparently it's fucking awesome. Okay, I've like never we'll heard to, of it. We'll have to squeeze that into a trilogy somehow so we can watch it. Okay. Um... Those, those the, the Johnny Depp <clears throat>
1: biopic trilogy we could do Edward um, Pirates of the Caribbean and uh, that Willy, a biopic Won- Willy Wonka trilogy.
0: how is that
1: a <laughs> <laughs> where he played real people Willy Wonka you just mentioned Blow before you didn't mention it in this Oh yeah one. true
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> Edward Scissorhands it's, oh, yeah, it's the bit. The Don't guy. you get yeah. the bit? <laughs> I'm blaming fa- fa-
0: fantasy creatures. Come on. Yes and. Accept the offer. It's the first rule of improv. Uh-huh. Um, okay. Well, I'm just going to speed through this list now, which is we also got Crooklyn, um, Heavenly Creatures by Peter Jackson before he did Lord of the Rings. Got uh-huh. Speed. We got – what else were we? got in here. Four weddings and a funeral. The Lion King. Oh, wow. Beyond The Professional, True Lies, Shawshank Redemptions in there, Forrest Gump, The Mask, Stargate, Ace Ventura, Interview with a Vampire. Wait, what? The Mask and Ace Ventura came out in the same year? He was a busy man. Like like with uh, Nick Cage and The Rock and fucking... No, not The Rock. Face Off and Corner. Holy crap. He was a busy man. Highest paid actor at the time, I think. Well, yeah, uh, I paid sense. Actor, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. That's 1994, so it was a good year. Not well, obviously not independent films, but it was a good year for movies in general. Yeah, for Hollywood, Hollywood movies, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Plus Chunking isn't it?
1: Oh, it's a good year for movies. No, that's that's fuck it. It's a good year for movies. Interesting because I think like if you look at Shawshank and Forrest Gump as these two kind of comparable like oscary movies, like I think Forrest Gump has fallen at least in our circles probably like fallen from grace in terms of like being like a good film. Whereas Shawshank Bye. Wait, where am I going with this? Wait. I think I know what you're saying. It's you know like I mean?
0: critically, people have like started to revise their thoughts on Forrest Gump. Where but you could so almost, swept up you could kind of like, say the same. All the way to the Oscars, baby. You could... Now it's like, oh man, this movie is actually kind of weird and doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but you could and then say that. Shawshank's like, yeah, I'm watching it on VCR, baby. Yes,
1: yeah. But you could say the same thing about Shawshank where a lot of people are like, yeah, it's actually not that good, but it is. It is good. It's great. Roger
0: Deakins, man, you can't do wrong. You probably could. Every time I try to talk about the movie itself, I end up talking about... Everything around the movie. Because, yeah. again, I love it. I love hearing about this thing getting made and the process they went through. Because they were so young as well. Yeah. You know? it I think like that's the more interesting formats, thing,
1: though. Yeah. I think Kevin would say that as well. He's like, he'd probably be the first to say, look, the most interesting thing about this film is the fact that it was made and the fact yeah. that, like, the context around it. So, yeah. the film itself, the storyline, it's, it's, I mean, IMDb kind of sums it up where I, I can't remember the exact thing. But it's basically just like a day in the life of two clerks who kind of, you know, muse mm. about Life and their relationships, and you know, where they're at. I kind of,
0: yeah, I kind of like looking at the process of making this movie like it's the movie as well. I'm Mm. I'm walking through it like it's actually the plot of the film. My my
1: question to you is do you think, like, because like you were saying, you can't find a lot about Kevin's writing process, but like, do you think him writing um, Dante in this way? is him his opinion of himself at the time or do you think he's creating a character out of nothing do you think he's basing it off himself and his worst qualities of like being like a people pleaser or being a slacker or being like you know a bad boyfriend like a you know like w- how, what qualities of Dante do you think have be- were almost kind of autobiographical of Kevin at that time cuz i'm watching this and being like Dante's like not a nice like he's 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 got some work to do, but he's like twenty one, twenty two year old. He's kind of like I, I like the idea that it wasn't like, um, uh, it was it was realistic in the sense that I'm like, yeah, most people in their early twenties or you know late teens are kind of figuring themselves out, and especially in the nineties, yeah. And so, yeah. but I I was interested that I was like, is this Kevin? Kevin's worst version of himself or is this just a fictional character? What do you think?
0: I don't know. So I've never met Kevin Smith. I don't know the man. Uh, but... Well, speak on him anyway. <laughs> That's what podcasting does. about. He's never admitted to being or he's never talked about being um, whiny and that mm. Dante is a
1: very, very whiny character. Very Luke skywalker in a way. Like yes. that. Like, I was like, yes. this is just Luke Skywalker if he yes. didn't live this... in a fantasy world. Did
0: like... you hear this? You must have heard this quote from him where he said, you are one power converter line away from being Luke Skywalker. He says that to Dante in that interview. Did you hear that? No. No, so he just came to this independently. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, th- th- he says the same thing. Really? He's like, yeah, you're one power converter line away from being <laughs> Luke Skywalker. That's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, no, and like... Even Brian admits not being a whiny guy is like... And he points us out so clearly where he's like, look, I'm the kind of guy, if I, if I get pissed off, I go, oh, fuck. <laughs> Whereas Dante's the kind of guy where if something gets to him, he's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, 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 right. And that was very different for me. Yeah. Um, so I don't know because, yeah, he's got a lot of, I mean, maybe. There's a lot I, of I lines just where he's like, like what like, next? Like, yeah, what, exactly. what have I done? Yeah, uh, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, uh, well, you know, Randall was meant to be him. He wrote that. He wrote Randall as himself, basically. Right, okay. So, um, he, he physically, you know, that's the character he wrote as himself. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess like every little bit of you, or like something you've seen or experienced in the world goes through you and then becomes the character. So, mm. I don't know. I, I guess I don't fully think so, but there'd be parts of him. Well, but they, especially maybe like it's... I mean, working in the quick stop. That's the, yeah. <laughs> that's the and I know thing. people
1: who I like probably worked with when I was you know growing up, like working at a pizza store and like other places, like but meeting people who you like. They're the more – they're the interesting – even though, like – well, I think because of the fact that they're either, like, jerks or, like, flawed mm. or whatever, like, they're the people you focus the film around because mm. it's, like, this is an interesting person who's got some stuff to work out and this film's going to be about that. Yeah. Uh, in, Even if it is just, a, like, a day in the life of, like yeah. – or a very eventful day in the life. But, like, um, yeah, I think it, S- Smith probably created uh, – dante as like a bit of a combination of like maybe a lot of the people he was working with in a sense that like maybe they like and and if 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 he wrote uh who's the other character what's the other character's name uh, randall if he wrote randall as kind of himself or at least wrote him to have the better lines and the kind of like sage-like kind of wisdom mm. even though he's like a bit of a den end himself or like yeah. a bit of a dirtbag he sort of, of
0: accepted himself a bit yeah more.
1: he knew who himself, he knew he was way better than randall did uh, oh. uh sorry randall knew himself way better than dante did um and was giving him all that advice of like, you got to stand up for yourself. You're such a like. It, it's all More I like. More buckles than a belt. Yeah, <laughs> one of my favourite lines. Yeah, another one. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's so that it does feel like the the man, Kevin Smith, speaking through that character, like speaking to a version of himself or speaking to people he knew in that store. Um, of being like, Hey, stop complaining. Like you're 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 just as you're just as bad as the people you're complaining about or you're you know, you've gotta you've gotta fix your own problems rather than just kind of wallow in it, you know?
0: Yeah. 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 I mean maybe he was in that state at uh film school, maybe he had these kind of conversations with Scott before he decided, All right, let's make the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Could have been that. I tell you what, I know he had that conversation about contractors on the Death Star, which is hilarious. It's a great
1: it's a great conversation like there. it was a real conversation yeah I know yeah. He's had,
0: he'd have those kind of conversations with. Oh, yeah, you know they would have killed innocent people on that thing um, but I don't know which side of the conversation he'd be on uh, like if he was the one sparking that one or just like kind of debating with another guy yeah I'll put it to you like that yeah um, so yeah he's at he's at uni meets Scott and he decides instead of spending an extra 5000 or whatever on my second semester I'm going to put it towards the film mm. and so he drops out he heads back home and they start you know sort of inspired by that article they're like let's try and just start funding stuff the
1: budgetary one the budgetary one yeah yeah.
0: um he was also taken by a line from um um uh robert rodriguez in that same article he says before i wrote the script el mariachi carlos and i one of his collaborators i sat down and listed our assets we had access to a school bus two bars a jail motorcycle, a ranch, and a pit bull. So I wrote the film around these elements. Wow. And then Kevin did the exact same thing. He was like, I got a quick stop. I got a VCR store. I got some friends, some hockey sticks. I got a cat named Haiku. All right, I'll just put them in. <laughs> and that was pretty much it. He was like, just take stock of what you have yeah. that you can use for free yeah. and use those things. Yeah. And that's what he did. Um, he has this great story he tells with Scott where they were he had maxed out his credit cards they needed to buy the film, and I think at this point Scott had now graduated from from the the film school, and he had brought along with him um, their DOP, whose name is David Klein, mm. who ends up shooting the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett. So good on him! Oh my God! Yeah, he's wow. he's kept busy, um, on your on your David. Um, so Scott brings him along for the ride. They'd graduated the film school at this point, and they wanted to exploit this. Um, this student discount at the film store where they were buying the film. Do you know this story? No. They wanted to exploit this fifteen percent off discount, but um, uh, Kevin was a dropout and um, Scott didn't have his student card. He just graduated or whatever. Mm. Like, uh, and they was like, ah, "You guys, you, know, you guys aren't eligible," so they couldn't afford the film. So they run downstairs. They go to this news agency or this 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 uni or something like that or some school to sign up to the the, the first. Um, the first degree they could find. And I have to find it because it is too funny. Here we go. Okay. So Scott and Kevin run down to the new school of social research and they signed up for the first higher education course that they could find. And there were two options available to them. There was, <laughs> there was a higher education you know, a degree in roasting suckling pig what? And then understanding your homosexuality. And so they're like, eh, let's sign up for the understanding of homosexuality one. What, what? the fuck? <laughs> of
1: course. A is degree?
0: That? A degree in roasting suckling pig. I would have signed up for that one for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I understand else, my homosexuality. <laughs> If nothing else, I would have known how to roast a suckling pig, which would have been... Well, it's not handy for me now, because I don't eat pig, but...
1: Whoa, that's wild. So they
0: signed up for that, and then they ran back upstairs, and like, boom, we're students. We're and the students. guy was like, eh. <laughs> I'll get you, Kevin. And they ran off with the film, and then the film guy and his son, they were like shaking their heads. Shake a boy. Shake harder, boy. I'm <laughs> um, getting really wow. close. Um, so that's how they got the film to shoot on. Yeah, wow. And the rest is,
1: as they say, history. Oh, I wish it was still around. <laughs> he is still around. Oh yeah. Oh. He nearly wasn't. He had a massive heart attack a few years ago. Yeah, a massive I
0: and you you enlightened me to this. A massive heart attack. Yeah.
1: I thought it was just a heart attack that
0: was bad, but like No, big one. It's the technical term is massive heart attack, right? Well, the
1: technical term that the doctor the, um called uh called it before he started operating was this they called this one the widow maker. <laughs> because it's like you have the the block that he had, Kevin had was like I don't know, eighty, ninety percent chance of Damn. of 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 mortality of death, um, yeah. but the doctor was like, the way Kevin tells it is like. Uh, the doctor was like, "They call this the widowmaker because a lot of people die from it." You'd but, hate to go he's in, like, but you're yeah. going to be in that 10 percent of survivors because I'm really good at my job. And then he disappeared into my crotch, <laughs> and then Kevin like, <laughs> went out. That's the way he tells it. It disappeared into his crotch. Yeah, because I had to put a like something up, like a catheter, something crazy, like in the surgery. So like that's the way he tells it. I don't know, but they they, up they his knocked, crotch and down his throat, throat or something. I don't know. I don't know. You gotta you gotta. I'll, I'll put this the thing at the end of this episode. This has a sixth sense of humor. Like, I'll put the thing at the end of this episode. That's movie. fucking genius. Yeah. But, uh, he's like, imagine
0: if, like, he was, like, meant to go through the throat, but he's like, yeah, I accidentally went through the dick one time. (laughs) That's
1: why why I'm so good at my job. I think there's something about the going up the dick. That sounds like a conversation that would happen in this scene with, like, Dante, like, talking (laughs) to someone, and, like, a doctor walks up. He's like, you know what? I actually have done that before. It works. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I love that, man.
0: That's beautiful. Um, what else is there to say here? Uh, They hosted auditions at, like, the local theater nearby. So it's a, it's a great yeah that's thing the thing well. is the acting like...
1: the actors in this feel very like local theater actorry yeah. or local like just amateur kind of like real people like there's no one in this that you're like oh it's him like it, there's or yeah. her you know there's it's always just like all oh, right that's just like a random person yeah. who was there on the day probably got you know it does feel especially with Brian it
0: does feel well for a lot of them it feels like they're playing for the theatrically trained ones it feels like they're playing for the the back row a lot of the time yeah yeah like yeah, I yeah, found yeah. like. Brian and... Man, who is the other co-star here? I should mention all the co-stars, really, but um, Marilyn Gigliotti, Gigliotti, who plays his current girlfriend in the movie. Yeah, the one um, who brings him lasagna. They're, really, they're good performers, and what they're doing is it seems like they only have an on and an off switch, mm. where it's like they can either play Super Mellow or then straight up to Eleven. And when mm. they're having a heated debate about um the snowballing or whatever, yeah, it's like just... It, like, turns on, like, too quick almost. Yeah, yeah. And it does feel like they're still... They're working out how to like build up to that emotion. Yeah, and I think so that everyone's
1: learning it. at this stage. And yeah. also, they're all really constrained by like, you know, time and money. Yeah. Like, they don't have a lot of film to film on, yeah. and they two don't takes, have a lot of time. yeah, two yeah. takes. That was all they did. Yeah, on most. Yeah, for most of the time. So, apparently. and that's incredible yeah. as well because there's lots of scenes in this that are like long, just still, static shots of conversations. Mm. Um, like the one at the, when they're talking about the Death Star or even the one where he's painting her nails, like behind the, the counter, um, that's all just one shot. And you, she, you even have a moment where she kind of stumbles, very, very minorly. She stumbles yes. over a line and I was watching this with my, with my girlfriend and she was like, and I said, I was like, Oh, did you hear that? And she was like, yeah, but I, that was kind of cool. It kind of sounds real. Like a real, co-. I was like, yeah, like it, oh, wow. you know, um, it does cause they, they probably didn't have time or didn't have that was the best take they had yeah that was the best they had and they got to move on kind of thing and it kind of adds to it like it wasn't it didn't feel like a stuff up like oh I missed my line or it felt like a stuff up like we would have in this podcast like where we're like you're thinking fall over a line yeah you're thinking you know it's um, so there's benefits as much as I guess uh, you know um,
0: you're doing it right now (laughs) Uh, no. Matt's just having an existential crisis. <laughs> for
1: there's um no, there's benefits as much as there are kind of like with with the, with all the restraints that they had. Yeah,
0: the rough edges become a strength in yeah. a way. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I love that. They get all the elements toge- together. They cast a lot of their friends and family as extras. Scott plays th- a lot of them. Play multiple roles in the film. Mm. Scott in one scene, you probably recognised in that hockey scene, he's playing two characters in the same scene. Scott Mosier, he's the guy who um, climbs up the roof and then like whacks the hockey ball. Yeah. Um, downstairs, there's also Scott, but he has a beard. So it's before and after he shaved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I the, did not notice when that they're at looking, all. When they're looking down, he's like, they're like, shut up! And then the guy downstairs is like... That's, that's him? Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, he looks pretty different, doesn't he? That's insane. But it's like, you know, hat, glasses, and then just a beard, and then that's all it was. Wow. And obviously, you know, filming on sh- shitty, like, black and white yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, It's This film is so
1: things. gritty. Like This it's... is the
0: thing, like, trying to make a cheap film these days is almost trickier in a way because we have these... Really affordable,
1: There's but no beautiful to make cameras. It look, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's
0: like you can see everything and you're like, man, this looks shit. We need to like yeah. rub some Vaseline on the lens. Yeah, because it like
1: because it looks so good, it looks crap because it's yeah. – yeah, exactly. I mean, I was saying I, – I was, I was kind of marveling at the fact that uh, they're, they're not comparable in the sense of like budget or obviously story or anything like that. But like the fact that this came out after Jurassic Park, like a year after or so – is pretty wild, or the same year, whatever it was. Like, it's, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. 1993. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty wild. Like, because you think of that as like a timeless, like still looks good today. Mm. And um, but it's just a totally different setup. Like, you yeah. you know, but but then I guess you could be like, well, does an indie film today look that much worse than like a big Hollywood thing now? Mm. And It's almost like the big Hollywood almost looks worse because it's so fake and so. Or even like the big Hollywood films that, and the big Hollywood films that. that don't, that are kind of like the big Hollywood films that don't rely on CGI are almost kind of like big indie features anyway. Yeah, so they kind of look just as good as like a an indie made by, like, young, you know, new upstart amateurs kind of yeah. thing, or, like, young professionals, you know?
0: Yeah, well, you look at, like, everything, everywhere all at once, and that yeah. the VFX were done by the, the directors and then a small team of other VFX artists. Yeah. And even friends were like, I'm trying to learn this skill. Do you mind if I yeah. have a crack at this one shot? And they're like, oh, get in there. Mm. Uh, fuck, man, keeping track of the amount of VFX. I would hate to be the VFX coordinator if they had one on that on that movie, because it just sounds like chaos, but, you know, the VFX aren't, like, like, a like, They're not reinventing the game or anything like that, but they're just used effectively. Yeah. You know? Counts to be smart when you're a filmmaker, you know?
1: Yeah, and like ballsy.
0: And ballsy, yeah. And Kevin Smith had balls.
1: Big balls. Join us next week for ball rats.
0: (laughs) Ball rats. Um so yeah, they shoot the film. It took, what did you say, twenty one days?
1: Yeah, I think 21 nights or something, 22 nights. 21 nights. nights yeah. yeah,
0: good effort. Good effort, boys. Um they they film it, they they edit it. Scott Mosier, who did the sound editing and recording because he had he just he learned how to do it at uni. Um he talks in this behind the scenes in the DVD extras about like having this existential crisis when the sound didn't sync because mm. they played it and it was like it was all in like slow motion, and they were like, you know, saying they were just talking in slow motion. It was really weird, and it was it was like terrifying. It was freaking out because was like, oh, I think I fucked up. We might have to do something. Um, they figured out the problem, um, and they got it fixed. But Scott Mosier is, as well as being credited as you know the producer with Kevin at the top, um, is also credited as initial incompetent sound editor. <laughs> And then they have accomplished sound <laughs> editor, James Von Bueller
1: who comes in and saves the day. Wow. Did he, did he go into detail what actually was wrong with it? Like, what uh, it was
0: just... I can't quite remember. Yeah. It was probably just a, a minor fix, and they figured it yeah, out as yeah, like yeah. one of those things. Oh, It like, like that... happens all the time. Here at uni, like, when you work in, like, the Avid machines here, mm. and, like, you see all your data's gone red, it means something's bad. You're like, yeah. oh, fuck, i yeah. lost my entire film. Yeah, yeah. That's and It's terrifying. You don't. I mean, I didn't understand how backups work or anything, yeah. but my teacher was like, you know, one click, and he was like, "There, you're done." I'm like,
1: "How the fuck did you figure that out?" Yeah, yeah, oh, that's amazing. Probably by going oh. through, through the same process. Yeah, exactly. Would
0: have been scary though because it's physical stuff. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? yeah. There's no backups in no. this world. Oh, um, they get it done. They go to the IFM. No one's there. Except Bob Hawke, yeah. not the Prime Minister of Australia. <laughs> um, which I was so confused when I searched Bob Hawke, and that's all I came up. Yeah, with. Like, right. Oh, no, Bob Hawke. And like, even when I typed in Bob Hawke film, all was like articles about trying to make a Bob Hawke film. <laughs> it's like no, the guy Robert Hawke. He's also known as. Um, he watches it. He encourages all these, um, all these, uh, journalists and writers to do a piece on it, Mm. they contact, all of whom are like heroes of Kevin's, they contact him, they interview him, they do a piece in their magazines and it starts to slowly get traction. Um, There are these great recordings of John Pearson Mm. who helps get this film into Sundance and then subsequently picked up by Miramax. Uh, And John is like leaving these recordings on Kevin's answering machine and he still has them, and they're included in the DVD extras. It's so cool to hear them, because it's like him. He sounds like, a, he sounds like a really straight-laced, professional guy. He'll you know, like, pick up the phone, the the table's tight, and he's like, Kevin, John Pearson here, uh, Saturday 20th, 1994. How you doing? Just saw your film. It was pretty good. Can't really offer you anything at this point, but uh, if you're in town, love to have lunch with you, and we can talk more then. See ya. It hangs up. And then the next time, it's and like... With every with every call he gives him, he's getting more and more, like, excited about the film. He's like, Gavin, John Pearson, <laughs> Monday, 21st, how you doing? Yeah, can't get that film out of my head. Pretty good. Um, I think we should talk about it. If you're in town, we'll grab a sandwich or something. Uh, talk then. Bye. And then the third time, he's like, Gavin, Tuesday, 22nd. John Pearson. <laughs> John Pearson again. <laughs> I think we need to talk, uh, we need to talk deal. I want to pick up the movie. Get him Whoa. Something. something like that. It's yeah, just yeah, so yeah. exciting hearing it. Just, yeah. And like, why the fuck did Kevin keep, keep missing these calls? And like, oh man. Good on him for keeping these, these recordings because it's such a great, um, That's amazing. Document of this. Movie I would love
1: speaking, it if the fourth man. call was just like, Kevin, John Pearson. Uh, feels off sorry i, uh, <laughs> you know I thought what? about it uh and he's just listening to it all in a stream he's like no
0: <laughs> and he's back on again he's like hey you know what i'm sorry came off pretty hot um i like the film let's pick it up i'm going through some stuff right now uh <laughs> just like... picks up the movie again hey you know what you know what I answer my calls fuck you man <laughs> fuck you and your clown shoes film i don't give a fuck
1: hey yeah what the really hell? sorry about that, that was man. one of the weirdest opening uh production credits i've ever seen oh yeah yeah, I missed that. What was the the clown? Sh- like the you just said the what, clown shoes. The one huh? that it's like the illustration oh, of the clown, like dude, walking and he's yes. just like naked with <laughs> a bare ass near that kid. Just like, Oof. I was like, what the hell? And this is literally last yes. night. My girlfriend Bella ah. came over and, and I was like, I've just got to watch this film for for the podcast. And she's like, oh, I'm just gonna ch- I'll chill with you and watch it. And that happened. and She was like, What is this? And the then- entire movie? Yeah, yeah. Just- <laughs> and then within 20 minutes she's like this film makes no sense it goes for so long it's like this
0: clown like yeah. really crudely like crudely is like animated yeah. across the screen there's this little boy oh, playing so the ball good. this clown like walks yeah. on the screen goes behind this dressing room curtain thing yeah with it a comes kid out... like sitting
1: there like yeah. a, like a lollipop like just like ha- hanging out
0: comes out naked we're all like just wearing this like this lingerie yeah this big lumpy dude going oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Just, yeah. yeah, that was that's up there with one of the weirdest like production.
1: Definitely. I was like, is this film uh is this the film? Like it was very because it went so Interesting, long. bold, yeah. bold. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um even the opening when he falls out of the closet, you know the story behind that? Kevin was like, what's the what's the weirdest thing I can do to like Grab people. Grab people. And that was like the best thing he had. I was like, oh, what if he's asleep in a closet? It, <laughs> it was
1: kind of weird because I was like, how did he, what, like, why did that happen? Yeah. Why, did he, why did he fall and people, asleep?
0: And people read into it like, is this some comment about Kevin's latent homosexuality <laughs> and his coming out of the closet? Is it about his brother who came oh. out as a homosexual? Yeah. I was like, again, same thing with the black and white film. No, nope. just like, uh, yeah, sure, fine, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just roll with it. But really it was like, oh, what's the craziest yeah, thing yeah, I can yeah. do? I know. Closet. And now, looking back on it, he's like, "Man, that's the best I had." Oh well, it worked. It worked. So yeah, this film gets in front of enough eyeballs, eventually gets to Sundance, becomes a big hit, is yep. seen by the now infamous Harvey Weinstein, mm. who over, they again, he thanks him in the credits. He says, "He says thanks, Harvey Weinstein, for an unforgettable order of potato skins." What the fuck kind of lunch is that? Potato skins? What? I don't think it's a Harvey Weinstein thing. I think it's just like a, a, a lunch thing in some yeah, way. Yeah, right. Anyway, um, he's like, all right, I'm going to buy you $227,000. What do you think? Yeah. And John Pearson um, pulls Kevin aside and he's like, look, we didn't get into this business to make money. You could maybe make more money with a better deal, but I think just take that. And Kevin's like, fuck it. I don't want to make any. Like, cause if it pays back the debt, i don't give a fuck. I'll take it. I'll do it for no money. Mm. Um, it's like that Kramer thing in Seinfeld when, like, before he listens to the full offer with the... With the right, I will take look, it. Look, <laughs> take it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who told you to put the bomb on? <laughs> um, uh, he he just says, "Yeah, that sounds perfect." Um, so it covers the you know the debt. Miramax purchases it for two hundred twenty seven thousand dollars. They they revamp the soundtrack. They blow it up to thirty five million. Yeah, give it a wide distribution, and the rest is as they say, history.
1: history. Wow, and then he gets obviously he he would have that would lead into what we're going to cover next week. Yeah, I think Mall part Rats. of
0: that part of that deal was he was given um, he was like signed on to do another movie. Yeah, All wow. right, well, you're you're you know you're clearly a hit with people, so we want we want more of you. And um, you
1: said before we started recording today that Morat's was a a failure, like a critical or like a yeah. box office failure, which I'm fascinated by. Yeah, yeah, because um, I don't know much about it as opposed to what I knew about Clerks, which was just kind of riffing on some of the same stuff but I'm very curious to see more rats now if if, you know I know it has Jason Lee in it oh okay yep my name is Earl yeah yeah. or um uh, what's the voice he does he does a voice for a character that you would never oh he's um he's Syndrome in Incredibles yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. he's great in that yeah 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 Yeah. Um, cool Uh,
0: that's so good um one last bit of trivia because there's so much trivia to go along with this movie actually you know what no fuck it two bits of trivia um Jeff Anderson and Lisa Spoonhauer, who plays Dante's ex-girlfriend. Is it
1: Catherine or Katrina? Something
0: like that. Yeah? Yeah. um, They got engaged on the set of the film. Oh. They fell in love. I think it was Lisa. I'm very sure it was Lisa. Um, Wait, what? On the set
1: of the film? Within three weeks,
0: he was like, this is the funniest. He says in the thing, he's like, she was the funniest person I ever met. And then... Then and there we decided to get engaged. What? Yeah, within three After weeks. After three weeks? And then Kevin was like, that's great, we'll use it in we'll the... We'll use it. <laughs> we'll use it in the marketing. Because uh, it'll be like a trivia point. But wait, who were the two characters? It was the girl who came back. Randall and Dante's ex-girlfriend. No way. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's Isn't that sweet?
0: sweet? Yeah. And the third one, again, because I love um, Jason Mewes. Part of my research for this film was listening to this like six-part podcast called "Jane's Silent Bob Get Old. And it's really... <laughs> it's just a massive... Um, What, in the last episode, what Kevin calls um, a way of holding Jason accountable because um, he had, like, this massive struggle with addiction throughout his entire life. Whoa. Addicted to, like, heroin and Oxycontin and uh, Valium, I think. Or just a whole bunch of, like, really nasty drugs. Mm. And, like, constantly um, being a threat to himself Mm. and sometimes to others in ways. Um, So he has this... They have a very candid talk about it. And it's very funny because, mm. like, Kevin will say things openly like, you were such a junkie back then, man. You were disgusting. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, I know I was disgusting, man. What are you going to do? It's so funny. But they have this great story where, if you remember the scene where um, Randall and Dante are having that conversation about the contractors on the death star or whatever. Mm. And he's like, you yeah, know, they killed innocent contractors mm. back then. And then that blue collar guy walks on and he yeah. talks about and being And the whole a time is
1: eating a like a like Twinkie. Jay is like thing. stealing some Twinkies yeah. in the
0: background. Um so Jason was on set that day because they needed him for that bit. Yeah. Um, even though he's not like ever in the same frame as those guys who yeah, yeah. was there. And they're talking and apparently this blue collar guy whose name is Thomas something or other. I want to get it up. Go, Thomas Burke plays the blue collar guy, the the, the roofer. Um, he's talking, and apparently he was having because he was just a random extra. He was having a really hard time getting through the, through his lines. Yeah, right. And Jason was just in a bad mood that day, and he was a he. He's a really he's pretty much the character he plays in the movie like mm. he's like that mm. but um, as soon as the cameras roll he's a bit nervous and he's mm. a bit more like on edge or whatever mm. and he's sitting there and he's getting bored and he's getting frustrated and this this extra is struggling to get through his lines and he's saying things like oh man this guy sucks can you get through your lines and stuff and he's like because it must be this late as well yeah. and the guy's like no oh, fucking whatever yeah. and Kevin's like just chill over there man we'll film your bit soon just do whatever and so I'm um, Jay, he lights up a joint. He starts smoking while I do doing the scene. And the Thomas guy is looking at him, like, getting more and more frustrated. And he goes up to Kevin. And he's like, he does know I'm a narc, right? Like, he's he works for the police. No he's way. He's actually an officer. Oh. <laughs> and Jason hears it and he's like, oh, fuck! <laughs> <He> just <laughs> fucks off.
1: <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> Which I love. Because like, I love those guys. And wow. what, I, what I'm really happy about is we'll see more of them because this is, you know, the this is like the...
1: His cinematic universe. His cinematic
0: universe, where its yeah. characters keep coming in and out, and yeah, very,
1: so we'll very see them cool. again.
0: And I'm really happy about that.
1: And we will see. Um, uh, what's the main character? What's the main actor's name again? Brian O'Halloran. We will see Brian O'Halloran as well. He plays a character in Mallrats. I saw on the IMDb. That was Hell the only yeah. yeah. That was the only peek behind the curtain I took to look at what Mallrats. Yeah, I know nothing was. about it. Yeah, I, I know, know it's set in a mall. It. Yeah, well, and I'm, <laughs> I'm with big rats.
0: <laughs> <laughs> with big ash rats. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's one of the funniest yeah. things is it's so it's kind of relevant because it's kind of Star Wars like adjacent but like I, I heard someone um, on a podcast talking about how they always loved in in um, A New Hope where it goes in Is in, the New Hope is the cantina scene right that's the that's, yeah, yeah yeah you got that yeah. and it kind of you know is Panning over the the characters and it's like clearly like a lot of like imagination and all this wonderful stuff has gone into it with these designers and you know like it's this guy was talking about on this podcast where he's like I always love that scene because it's like you know you got this wonderful alien and you got one next to it and then you got the Wookiee and you got this and then and then if you if you look closely sitting at the edge of the bar just like nursing a drink it's just like, it's just a big rat. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I love the idea that Luke, Lucas is, like, kind of pitching the idea, and he's like, here's what I want. I want this alien. I want him to be from this fantastical planet. Then I want this, this other thing. I want this, this, and this. And then just a big rat. Like a big old rat. It's <laughs> oh, like an man. earth rat, but just huge, sitting on the, like, oh, it was very funny. Was it
0: Jim Henson who did those? Probably, yeah. Uh, no, probably, I don't, yeah, probably, I don't know. This it was... right in there. This is all we got.
1: Yeah, this is all we Get got. We got this oh. old character, Ratty, that we, uh, we never pulled out for the Muppets. You can use that. Yeah. I don't know. Um... Yeah, really well, next week. Uh, yeah. Final thoughts on Clerks. What do you think? <laughs> what do you know? What do you think?
0: Um, yeah, it's like a feature-length episode of Seinfeld. I enjoyed it for what it was. I think I can understand why this film hit so much harder in the 90s for a lot of people out there. Mm. I thought it was okay. It's yeah. definitely some stuff that's dated. Yeah. It's definitely rough around the edges and not in a charming way, but in a, oh, man,
1: it and in, really work. In that way, I'm really curious to see... The next few films step that he up, made yeah. because, yeah, it's like it, this was always the intent for him was like, I'm going to make Clerks so I can make something else and uh, and learn from it. So curi- curious to see it and uh, yeah. and also to dig into the history like you did so expertly today and find out, like, why did it not – why was it not so much of a critical success? Mm-hmm. What, My advice? How is it viewed, you know, in the in – the, My advice? In the on today, Yeah.
0: Become a driver for a film festival. You'll get a lot of stuff done.
1: You'll get so much research done. It'll make your brain into custard.
0: More <laughs> or, uh, d- uh, Clerks. Have, yeah, you, we got, watched clerks, have so.
1: you got more of a calm week coming up? Oh yeah, nice. Yeah. Well, you were very cognizant today, so I'm, you know you'll be you'll be on even more on fire next week.
0: Well, like I said, that fucking berserk it was like it was like you know the kick from Inception, where like you get taken out of one dream into the next. Oh, it was yeah. like that. I was so deep in this world, and then all of a sudden. <laughs> Uh, yeah. having an existential crisis over that. And then yeah. this has slowly, gently, easily yeah. woken me up and yeah. I feel
1: calm again. Very nice. Well, um, uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, this was uh, the first of three episodes about the Jersey Trilogy. We've just done cloaks. We're about to do Rats next week. Mm-hmm. So join us then. Share with your friends. Tell them about this little humble podcast. Uh, but today... That's all from us. We got to go. We're not even supposed to be here today.
0: Oh, how long have you been holding on to that one?
1: An hour and 40 minutes. (laughs) An hour and 40 goddamn minutes.
0: Almost had an aneurysm. (laughs) Just trying to get that one out. Thanks for listening, folks. Thanks. Bye.
2: got to the ER and this dude, Dr. Ladenheim, dude who saves my life, I hadn't met him until that moment, right? Now I want to marry him. This guy comes into the room, into the ER and he goes, hey, how are you? And I was like, oh, no, I can't catch my breath, and he goes, that's because you're having a massive heart attack. And that's the first time anyone told me that? And I was like, no, this can't be, I said, doc, honestly, I just smoked too much weed this morning. That's what this is. Did you he, really think you were just too high? I honestly thought I was too high. I smoked like a bunch of weed that day because I was doing the shows and I smoked a joint right before the show and I got off stage and all of a sudden I had a heart attack. So they take me up to the OR, I'm in my underwear. And I get in, the doctor Leidenheim goes, why is he in his underwear? And the guy who's supposed to shave me, he was just like, he won't take them off, he's afraid. And I start talking to the doc, I was like, look doc, I got body shame issues and my junk is small. He goes, we ain't got time for this, woo! Takes my underwear off me. Like I'm in a 70s porno, just takes them right off me and stuff. And so I was like, you have your will of me, man. Like he just had it. there. So I was wearing- the music start playing? Totally. It was hot. So I was wearing my jersey, too. I was wearing, like, a hockey jersey, as always. But even though they were pumping me full of drugs, I had the presence of mind to tell them a lie because I didn't want to lose all my clothes. I was afraid of being naked and stuff. The last time I was fully naked was when I was delivered in an emergency room, so I didn't want to be naked again. So they're trying. He goes, take that shirt off. And I said, no, you can't, Doc. This is my lucky hockey jersey. Lying. And somebody should have pointed out, you had a heart attack in this lucky hockey jersey. (laughs) But he didn't care. He's like, cut it off him. And they took my jersey off. And then I was just naked. I was like, go at it, go up. And then my man went up me, which sounds dirtier than I meant it. But then he, he goes up my groin to my femoral artery. He goes, you're 100% blocked. 100% occlusion. He's going, we got to go right now. He's going, I'm going to do an angioplasty. So he goes, hey, but let me tell you something. He goes, you're a comic book guy. I said, yeah, I like comics. This is why I'm on the table. And he goes, that artery that's blocked up, the LAD, they call it the widow maker. And I was like, why? And he goes, because in 80% of the cases of 100% blockage, people die. He goes, but you're going to be in the 20%, But because I'm, I'm good at what I do. And then he disappeared into my crotch, and <laughs> and he saved my life, man. So... Thank
0: you. so